1: one thing that we want to continually understand and grasp hold of he remains faithful even when we're unfaithful why because he will not and he cannot deny himself and that's something that you and i can depend upon that's an anchor to our soul and the enemy oftentimes when we fail will come up and say god doesn't love you anymore You know what I say when I hear that? He doesn't love me any less either. So, beat feet, devil, uh, because I know that God loves, and God's plan and His purpose continues. It's easy to
0: believe that if you are unfaithful to God, then He will be unfaithful to you. However, in today's message, Pastor David shares with you that this is not true. When you fail, the enemy will try to tell you that God doesn't love you anymore. This is a trick the evil one uses to draw God's people away from him. The truth is, God will never stop loving you. The sacrifice Jesus made on the cross covers all sin. God desires for all his children to have a relationship with him. So today, draw close to God. And here's Pastor David in the book of Leviticus chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Books of Wandering.
1: books of wandering, the books of wandering. We've got, uh, again, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and the events that take place in these books, and even as they are being uh, written out and laid out, it's during the wilderness wandering, during the 40 years of wandering. We'll get into that this evening of why and how that is all taking place, why the 40 years, and I know most of you are very familiar with that. We look here with this whole first portion of the Old Testament, and the unfortunate reality is there's a lot of people that pay absolutely no attention to the Old Testament. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a New Testament believer. I don't deal with the Old Testament. But the problem is, is if you don't have the Old Testament right, you're going to be messed up on the New Testament because it is the foundation. It's in particularly when we look at those first five books, the ones again we've called them the uh, the Torah. That's the Jewish name. We call them the, the Pentateuch, the five books of the Law. When we look at these, these five different books, all written at about the same time frame, all written by the same man, and in actuality, they're all pointed pretty much toward the same goals, the same goals, and those goals are Let me give you a few things. You can write these down and help you to remember. Again, the goals of, I believe, all five of these first books of the Torah is, number one, to declare or point out to us, number one, the holiness of God. Because we see that from the very beginning all through them. Now, we know that all through the scripture, we speak of the holiness of God. But in these particular five books, it comes out in a really strong way, the holiness of God. But also the second thing that we see here, we go to the full opposite end of the scale, we see the depravity of man. We see man fall and get the Lord lifting back up and then fall and The Lord lifts him back up and he falls again. And the Lord lifts him back up and he falls again. We see the depravity of man when God's mercy and grace is is reaching out to him and man rejects God. And man goes on his own way and he does his own thing. And yet God's redemptive plan is still there. So number one, the holiness of God. Number two, the depravity of man. Number three is God's plan of redemption. We see that from the very beginning, the early chapters of Genesis. Genesis. And we're gonna see it over and over and over all through these. The whole sacrificial system was because of God's plan of redemption. God doesn't need sacrifices, but it is a process that he gave man whereby man can understand what's going on. We see the fourth thing here. So we've got the holiness of God, the depravity or the desperateness of humanity or the depravity of man, God's plan of redemption. And then the fourth thing is man's struggle with obedience. Even when he wants to do good, man struggles with obedience. Amen? So we know that even when our, when our heart's desire is to do the right thing, Sometimes we don't do the right thing. Paul attests to that in Romans chapter seven. Man, that that I want to do, I find myself not doing. That that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing, man. Oh, desperate situation. is going to save me from the wickedness of myself. And then again, he just enters into praise and worship of God at that point. The last thing, five. We've got the holiness of God, the desperateness or the depravity of humanity, Uh, God's plan of redemption. Man's struggle with obedience. And then the last one, number five, God's overwhelming faithfulness. The overwhelming faithfulness. And that's what blows me away every time I look through particularly these early chapters of the Old Testament, the Torah, the, the Pentateuch. Because, again, you see, even in the midst of man's rebellion, God's faithfulness. And then as we move on in this study of through the Bible in about a year, uh, we're, we're going to see that, that same thing. God's faithfulness over and over and over played out over and over and over again. Guys, that is One thing that we want to continually understand and grasp hold of, he remains faithful even when we're unfaithful. Why? Because he will not and he cannot deny himself. And that's something that you and I can depend upon. That's an anchor to our soul. And the enemy, oftentimes when we fail, will come up and say, God doesn't love you anymore. You know what I say when I hear that? He doesn't love me any less either. So, beat feet, devil, uh, because I know that God loves and God's plan and his purpose continues. Okay, so even as the title for the overall study for the Through the Bible series is the story of beginning, the end, and the new beginning. We, we see that played out also throughout the entire Bible. We've already looked as we went through Genesis and Exodus. Uh, the beginning, well, Adam was created. What was the end? Well, Adam fell and death entered into the world. But then there was a new beginning. Why? Because God restored Adam. He gave him that new beginning. We, we see the world itself. The world is created. And then the sinfulness of man comes in so extreme that again, God destroys the world with a flood. That's the end. But then what happened? God restored the world after the flood. And again, the beginning, the end, the beginning. We read already about Jacob or the one who's man, the man whose name was changed to Israel and his 12 sons. That's the beginning. God is beginning a new thing with them. But in the midst of that, Uh, His young son, Joseph, gets, uh, again, beat up by his brothers, gets sold into slavery, and as far as they're concerned, he's dead. So that's kind of the end. But what happens? God brings a new beginning. Joseph himself brings about literally a salvation for his family. Again, a, a picture of Christ. Again, rejected by his brothers, left for dead, and yet now he is risen and he offers salvation to all. We see again, all at, at that point in time, all of Joseph or Jacob's family is welcomed back in or welcomed into Egypt during this time of famine. So if we look at that, man, that's a great beginning. But then a few generations or a few decades later, suddenly there arose a Pharaoh that did not remember or know Joseph. So now it's the end, man. Now they're sold into slavery. And you think, what a desperate situation we find ourselves in. But then we find a new beginning as God raises up Moses to set the captives free. So the beginning, the the end and a new beginning. We find, again, uh, the, the, as, as the uh, children of Israel are set free from the Egyptian Egypt captivity and they're now wandering through the desert, they're on their way to the promised land. It's going to be a, a new beginning for them. But then we find as we read, w- the people sinned. They, they backed away from what God was promising. They had a lack of faith. And in that, that whole generation dies in the wilderness. That's the end. But what happens, God then brings up a new generation, raises up a new generation, a generation that's then able to enter into the promise of God. So it's now a new beginning. We see, again, as we get on further into the Old Testament, closer into the New, we find the nation of Israel raises up as a powerful nation. Man, you see the realms of uh, King David and, and, and of King Solomon and just so powerful of a nation that they were, but it didn't last. They entered into idol worship and were eventually brought into captivity to Babylon. It was the end of the nation. They they just took them into captivity, destroyed uh, Jerusalem and the temple and everything. But what happened? Well, God restored them. God gave them a new beginning. He allowed them to be able to rebuild the city and rebuild the temple. We Get right into the New Testament. We see the promise, God's promise of the Messiah coming. And that's a new beginning. The Messiah is here. Just as we've seen, remember, we were in Luke for a little while, uh, not too long ago. But remember in Luke, as we were talking about the, the greatness of the promise of the Messiah and for the disciples, man, man, that is the beginning. What a, what a great promise. What a great hope. Messiah is here. And then what happens? They crucify him. And so for that season of time, for those few days, man, it's the end. It's the end. Everything we had hoped for, it's totally gone. But what happens? God brings about a new beginning. He raises Christ from the dead. We see this pattern so clearly over and over and over again, both in the big picture as well as in a multitude of smaller ways along the way. And again, in nearly every one of these incidences, it's not because of the proudness or the ability of man to be able to work this out. But gang, it is the supernatural hand of almighty God that's working in and through the midst of situations that you and I get ourselves into. And you know what? The very thing that we see there played out. That's what I want you to understand. That's what I want you to grasp as we're going through this study. Maybe for you right now, you're in the season of the beginning. Man, it's a, it's a brand new thing. God's doing some awesome things in our lives and we're just so excited. But maybe for someone else in here tonight, you might be in a situation that seems like, man, this is the end. Everything's just falling down all around me. I don't know what your situation might be right now tonight, but I guarantee you, our God who remains faithful, the faithful one, he brings about new beginnings. How long does that take to get a new beginning? There's no set time, is there? You look at the children of Israel in, Egypt, in Egyptian captivity, that was 430 years they were captives. I hope you don't have to wait that long for your new beginning. But even the children of Israel wandering through through, through uh, the wilderness, that was 40 years of wandering before the new generation came. Get into the New Testament. Jesus died, it seemed like the world was over. But only three days later, God gave that new beginning. I pray a quick new beginning for you. I pray that in the midst of whatever you might be going through, and maybe it's not tonight, maybe it's not even tomorrow, maybe it's gonna be next year, and I would pray that the Holy Spirit would restore back to your memory, back to your understanding, this whole idea That even though we might feel like we're in the midst of the end, that God brings about new beginnings. And that's what I want us to look at today. You know, Solomon, before we get into the study, Solomon declared in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, that God has made everything beautiful in its time. And he's also put eternity in their hearts. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. You don't know what God's doing in your life. I've got a prophetic message for you tonight. You have no clue what God is doing in your life. Okay, uh, just receive that. No, I'm, I'm just teasing. There, it's just real. I mean, we we can we can think one thing, but how many of you have in your Christian life of thought that God was leading or directing one way and then maybe within a month or maybe within a couple of years, you see suddenly it's something totally different. We don't know what God's, even in the worst of our times, we don't know but that in the worst of that time, God is just peeling away and burning away stuff within our life that he wants to reveal himself more clearly, strengthen us uh, again so that we can walk more completely and more in obedience, We don't know the beginning to the end. Also in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8, this is one thing I do want you to hold on to. The end of a thing is better than its beginnings. That God is working a good work out. I I can just attest to that fact. God is working a good thing out. You might say, Pastor, it doesn't feel real good right now. I didn't say that necessarily it's good right now, but I can guarantee you, according not only to what Solomon says, but what also the apostle Paul says, all things are good. Is that what he says? No. All things work together for good to those that love him, to those that are called according to his purpose. doesn't mean that all things are good. I mean, there's a lot of rough stuff that we go through. But as we trust in the faithfulness of God, then we're gonna see that the end is gonna be better than the beginning. So take courage tonight. Understand, man, the Lord does know the end of whatever you're in, and he will reveal that to you, and he'll give you a whole new beginning. Time-wise, I don't have that word for you. (laughs) I I wish I had it for my own life at times, but I don't, so that's where faith comes in, amen? Genesis and Exodus, we've already shown us that pattern in Genesis and Exodus. And yet we're gonna continue to see it as we go through book by book here. God has a plan of redemption for sinful man. And I I wanna share this with you too. God will do whatever is necessary to do in your life and in my life to bring glory to himself and to bring us to the point of conforming to the image of Christ. That doesn't sell books, okay? That doesn't fill the the auditorium with smiley faces, but that's the truth of God's word, that God will do whatever is necessary in our lives to bring about his will within our lives. That means sometimes we go through tough things. God has a plan His plan, again, is to bring sinful man to himself. He sent the Redeemer, and he offers to all men that new beginning that leads us right into eternity. Now tonight, we're gonna, as we continue on, we're gonna look at three very heavy but very important books. I would imagine that probably on your, the best books list of the Bible, you know, you got 66 to choose from but probably of the 66 books of the Bible on your best read list is probably not Leviticus, probably not Deuteronomy, and most likely not Numbers. However, the, the the word that's in them is really powerful, really necessary, really foundational for our faith. If we were to look at Genesis as the book of beginnings and Exodus as the book of redemption, we'd see clearly that Leviticus is the book of atonement and holy living. That's what we see in Leviticus: atonement and holy living. In Leviticus, that's where we find the five main offerings that, again, Israel is called to present. The burnt offering, the meal offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and the trespass offerings. Now, all of these are found actually in the first seven chapters of the book of Leviticus. Now, it was through these offerings, you need to understand, it was through giving these offerings that man was, again, able to, quote, unquote, be made holy. That through the giving of these offerings. Now, there's a lot of caveats in there. Man had to have the right heart when he did it. He couldn't just go through the routine and expect those offerings to do anything because those offerings were given, they should have been given, they were intended to be given as absolute obedience and surrender to the Lord. I'm gonna give the best of my flock. I'm gonna give the first fruits of of my fields because again, I I see God's hand in in my life. Man, I sinned. I I, I didn't mean to sin. I didn't mean to sin, or maybe I did mean to sin, and I'm, I'm. he's got offerings for both, the unintentional sin as well as the intentional. But when my heart is finally broken because of that sin, I can then go and bring this offering to the Lord. And again, as it, that offering is taken, then things are cleansed for me. Begin Again, not because so much of the ritual, but because of the attitude of the heart and the faithfulness of the heart to carry on through that not through man's own abilities. It was having faith in that system of sacrifices that God designed. And it was designed to show, number one, the destructive nature of our sin, but also the great cost of atonement. That little lamb didn't do anything. And yet, because of my sin, I've got to slit its throat. Man is a great bull. It hadn't done anything, but yet... Now it's going to be burnt on that altar because of my sin. You see, that's what the sacrificial system was all about. It's not that God needed a barbecue, folks. It's in order for us to understand, again, that destructive nature of sin and the great cost of atonement. Now it's also in Leviticus, by now we're actually all the way into chapter 23 at this point, where we find God instituting the seven feast days, and each one of them show, showing complete fulfillment, actually through the life, the death, and the promised return of Jesus. Uh, we, we find in chapter 23, yeah, might as well go ahead and turn over there. In chapter 23, down in verses four through five, we have the feast of Passover, that was, again, it was, that was foundational to the life of Israel. Remember the Feast of Passover that was instituted the night that they broke free from the Egyptian bondage. You can keep your place in Leviticus chapter 23, but really where I want you to turn to is First Corinthians chapter 5. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, what do we read there? Well, we read simply that, therefore, purge out the old leaven. Again, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, but he's writing to us too. Purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, what? Our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So we see that whole thing of the sacrifice and of Passover very foundational in our faith. You're still in the New Testament. Keep going over to your left some to 1 Peter chapter one, verses 18 through 21. We read this, knowing that You and I, we we weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from our aimless conduct received by the tradition of our fathers. But we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of what? A lamb without blemish and without spot, that Passover lamb. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest or made clear, made known to us in these last times for you who through him believe in God. Who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. changes within by the open word.
0: Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series, and we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for it. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at TheOpenWord.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so, Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you.
1: Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward. Please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page. See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to
0: continue through the Bible here on The Open Word.